What's up guys? Welcome back to ADHD Mission. I have something very exciting for you guys today. So this is going to be the start actually of my episodes are going to be much, much higher quality than they've ever been. So I've kind of realized that although I do like doing like unscripted, I do not, I'm not going to do a script. I uh, just like kind of like the rawness of just like going at it and recording. Um, but, you know, authenticity. But I... I <laughs> And a lot of these videos, I just go in, and I don't even know like what sources I'm going to go over. I don't really know like the general stuff I'm going to talk about. And it's honestly kind of like disrespectful to you guys. Um, and I realized today that there's something I could provide much more value to you than I'm currently providing. So that's what I'm doing now. Um, today's episode is going to be about sunlight and ADHD. I, I actually... Hold on. <laughs> oh, this is not too good start. No, it's not too great start. I just want to check. I'm 90% sure I haven't talked about this, but if I had talked about it, it'd be really bad. Okay. Okay. Good. <laughs> I was kind of worried. I, I was worried for a second. Like, didn't that record? No, I didn't. All right, let's jump into it. So, um, the American uh, dermatologist, I don't know, something about dermatology, some dermatologist organization, dermatologist in general, um, on my... Tier list of doctors, dermatologists are probably, uh, like F tier, <laughs> probably like my least favorite doctors ever, um, because there's a big thing that they've been doing for a while where they recommend that you get as little sun exposure as possible, and I wonder how this can be possibly correct when throughout all of our ancestry, we went throughout all of our evolution, we never had sunscreen, we never had any of this stuff, we were getting a lot of sunlight. It's a very recent thing to um, avoid sunlight because of you know skin cancer. And I would ask skin it's melanoma. It's it's somewhere between four and twenty. I'm not, I'm not sure exactly. I think it's it. I'll 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 just say it's at least four times. The melanoma rates have gone up at least four times in the last fifty years. How is that possible when we are when we have been being exposed to as little sun? Um. As we have ever had in our entire ancestry, and I'll tell you why it's possible. We're going to start off just by talking about um, how you can protect yourself from sun damage. We're going to talk about sun damage, and we're going to talk about this idea of sun damage and the idea that UV is bad for your skin. So, um, in the last fifty years, in the last eighty-five years, there has been a certain ingredient that we've added to our diet, um, a certain kind of lipid, it's a certain kind of fat, and what this does. Well, I think it's worth mentioning first of all that your cell membranes which are your skin cells your skin cells the membranes of your skin cells are made up of fats they're made up of fatty acids right so the kind of and they're made up of your dietary lipids this is um i'm not gonna i hate the word common out so i'm not gonna i you know i, I should have i should have gotten that but I, I i think i can buy it right now dietary lipids make up cell membranes Uh, okay, these are not the uh, article that I had in mind. But um, you can definitely find this. The lipids that your skin is made up of is made up off of your dietary lipids. Or, I mean, in, in some in some creatures like cows, um, they can convert unsaturated fats to saturated fats. So it's your dietary, but it's like how your body, whatever, right? The lipids that you consume kind of determine what your, your skin cells are made of. There's a certain kind of lipid... <laughs> which has uh, multiple double bonds, meaning that it's very susceptible to oxidation. So 
if you think about it, and this is not really bro science, this is very confirmed in experience, anyone who has gotten these things out of their diet um, has seen great changes that we're going to talk about in a moment. I want you guys to think about this. All right, you know what that means? If there's a certain thing that we're eating, which is a certain type of fat, which is prone to oxidation, and it accumulates in our cell membranes, it accumulates in our skin cells, wouldn't that mean that our skin cells are more prone to oxidation? Food for thought, right? Even more food for thought, or I would say dessert for thought. Um, how does sunburn work? Well, sunburn is when, or sun damage, or sunburn in general, sunburn is when UV, which is a stressor, touches your skin cells and they oxidize. <laughs> yeah, they oxidize. And what happens? What makes things oxidize, guys? Polyunsaturated fatty acids. Oh my God. And this sounds this is gonna sound so stupid. There's a lot of people saying seed oil, seed oil, but it's true, guys. And if you cut these things out of your diet, you will realize it will seed you will sunburn a lot um, less easily. It's much more sunburn resistant. Um, and you're gonna be able to get those benefits of sun without the problems, without the the. It's 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 weird because I would I would say that being in the sun a lot is bad if you eat a lot of polyunsaturated fats because that's gonna lead to a bunch of sunburn and a bunch of sun damage. But if you have a more saturated, stable cell membrane, which is resistant to oxidation, it's very hard to get sunburned or sun damaged. Um, this is pretty crazy. So just to get that out of the way, yes, there is a big problem with sun exposure when you have weak cell membranes. It's a big problem. Um, but I think that the reason we're seeing so much more melanoma now um, with so much less sun exposure is not just because of better detection. I think it's because um, we're more prone to these things. It's not just because of the sun exposure. So now that we cleared that up, that's just, I just wanted to start off with that, um, the idea of sunburn and sun damage. Now we can actually go into the benefits of sunlight. So that's kind of my main quarrel with uh, dermatologists is they don't talk about cell membrane oxidation. They don't talk about what's making our cell membranes oxidized. They just say, okay, it's a UV, take this benzophenone sunscreen, which is going to be highly estrogenic. Let's actually talk about that first. Um, recently, there has been a ton of research that has come out, which has shown that um, benzophenone, so avobenzone and um, oxybenzone are very, very estrogenic, very highly estrogenic. These are some of the most estrogenic things possible. Um, and I think, they, I don't remember whether it was oxybenzone or avobenzone, but they banned it. And then there were a bunch of brands which were like, we're switching to a healthier version. We're not going to use, and they switched to freaking avobenzone or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a, you know commercial ridiculousness but um, the problem with these things and this is why I don't really like pools a lot um, they they get to your blood in super high concentrations and those concentrations stay high for multiple days I don't have a study on that one um, I don't think I really need it it's pretty well known now that uh, UV filters like avobenzone and oxybenzone are highly highly estrogenic same with octosalate homosalate Anything, um, anything of the any synthetic UV filters are going to be very estrogenic. Uh, you can use zinc oxide or titanium dioxide. Although I have been made aware by dermatologists that zinc oxide and titanium oxide are kind of ineffective because they clump in the formula. And I, I would say that makes sense. You know, I I would agree with the dermatologist on that. But I wouldn't agree that a reasonable replacement is to use something like avobenzone or oxybenzone or octosalate or homosalate, which are going to be completely toxic and completely estrogenic estrogenic that's not beneficial for adhd at all is it because they lower serotonin or they lower dopamine and they increase serotonin not good not good for adhd because adhd is based on low dopamine 
now that we got that out of the way, first of all, sunburn, sun damage, it's avoidable. Although, here's the thing. Do not go out in the sun just after you stop eating seed oils for one day. Um, they stay in your body for three years. And through exercise and through, you know, radical interventions, you can make it happen a little bit faster. But um, the change is going to happen slowly in your body. So don't come at me thinking about it. Nothing changed. Um, it's going to take a while to change. I'm not sure whether it's just linoleic acid specifically. I know that's the that's half-life of linoleic acid. It doesn't stay in your body for three years. It has a half-life of three years. So it stays in it for more than three years. But... Um, I'm not sure if other fatty acids have the same characteristic, but it does ch take a long time to change your cell membranes. So don't go ham. I'm not telling you, you know, go out instantly. I'm not telling you anything is going to radically change. So, and this is not based on the volume of polyunsaturated fats you're consuming. I saw a guy today who was talking about, you know, oh, I showed this tweet saying seed oils cause uh, skin cancer to my dermatologist and he started laughing. Um, you know, I've never eaten any seed oils. I'm, I'm just a raw vegan. Or he, I don't know if he's, he's not a raw vegan. He's like, I just eat plant-based. I, no, I would never eat any seed oils. I would never eat any oils. And I thought, you know, dude, um, when it comes to, you know, oxidative byproducts or, um, you know, serotonin or androgens or things like that, yeah, the volume, so seed oils are going to be much worse for that. The volume of, um, the volume of polyunsaturated fats is actually going to matter. But when it comes to, if you're just a plant-based and you're a super low-fat you're going to get less of those oxidative byproducts. You're going to, I think you're probably, yeah, you're going to get less acute insulin resistance. You're going to get less anti-androgenic effects. You're going to get less serotonergic effects. But you're still going to have the same effects when it comes to cell membrane stability because your cell membranes are just made up of composition, right? The actual volume of lipids that you're consuming is not really relevant when it comes to cell membranes and oxidation from UV. It's just the composition of it. Okay, it's not the volume. So the fact that you may never eat, I just wanted to address it real quick before some people, you know, come at me with that dumb tweet. <laughs> now that we're past the kind of uh, misconceptions about a lot of stuff, and again, I I did say that I really don't like dermatologists, but I would actually love to have a conversation with the dermatologist. If any dermatologist would like to talk to me, I would really love to. I, I like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to you. I really have some questions for a dermatologist. Email me, ADHDermatologist at gmail.com. But I, in general, I, I would disagree with them. And I just haven't seen them uh, present with any evidence that uv filters are not toxic first of all um that we did die from skin cancer ancestrally second of all and that um i would like them to address cell membrane oxygen anyways let's talk about the um, fantastic benefits benefits from sunlight not just on your body but specifically viewing first study from science oh i'm not going to talk about that because it doesn't really matter what the website's from it's well it's from science direct um so it's called sunshine exposure variation of human striatal um, dopamine D2, D3 receptor availability in healthy volunteers. So they took, and this is not a rat study, this is actually a human study, which is very interesting. And I didn't know that you could test, I mean, I I, I did know because I've seen this before, but I, I, I assumed it was a rat study by the fact that they tested the dopamine receptor. But um, they actually tested the dopamine receptor, the D2 and D, D3 receptors of human beings. Um, they found that striatal dopamine receptor availability was significantly greater in the subjects with high sunshine exposure than in those with very low sunshine exposure. Um, after controlling for age, sex, and smoking status. Okay, limitations. Different subjects were examined at different time points in a study. In addition, the sex and tobacco use distributions differ between groups. Okay, I don't really... That doesn't seem that big of a confounding factor. Um, we also know, like I said, for the sleep video, um, looking at sunlight early in the morning is extremely beneficial for dopamine. It's extremely beneficial for the... Um, for the circadian rhythm in general, that's something that's practiced that I'd greatly recommend. 
and also looking at the sun when it's kind of setting, that's going to prepare your body to go into sleep mode. But yeah, looking at sunlight, or wait, no, this isn't looking at sunlight. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Maybe, <laughs> okay, this is my first episode, guys. Come on. Give me a break. But um, yeah, this one's not about sunlight viewing. This one's just about sunlight exposure. So it's very beneficial for the availability of the dopamine receptor, which is basically just, um, in, in layman, it's just, you have more dopamine, okay? So uh, the second thing that we want to talk about is androgens. So specifically, we know that um, UV is very androgenic. Um, I think personally, I have a theory that it might have, because we know that vitamin D is extremely androgenic and dopaminergic. Vitamin D is extremely androgenic and extremely dopaminergic. Vitamin D is incredibly important for ADHD. If you're in an area with not a lot of sunlight or it's the winter, I'd recommend you take a vitamin D supplement. It's going to be very beneficial for you, um, especially if you have <laughs> weak supplements. Um, so this is very well known. Um, and I, I'm still going to provide credit for it, even though I don't, this is, it's very, very, very well known that um, sunshine is in sun and vitamin D is very androgenic. I have a personal theory that um, there are some androgenic effects of sun exposure that have nothing to do with the vitamin D. And I have no basis for this theory, but um, you know, I just believe it. Um, so we're gonna go on this. This one's called skin exposure to UVB light induces a skin brain gonad axis and sexual behavior. This one is in rats, I'm pretty sure. I haven't read it. I, I read this, like I think, like four months ago, but I, I didn't read it since. Um, yeah. Okay, no, it's on my... It's some of the ones on my seminar. So the highlights of the, of the study are that UVB exposure increases circulating sex steroid levels in mice and humans. This is obvious just because of the increased androgens from vitamin D. But again, I, I think that there might be some... Um, I don't even know I think. It's just like a hunch I have. <laughs> I think it might have some androgenic effects inherently that are separate from vitamin D. But so that one, first one's pretty obvious. I don't think many people would debate that. UVB exposure enhances female attractiveness and receptiveness towards males. Obviously, this one is not as obvious, but um, you know you can read the study. I'm not going to read out this entire study right now. Um, I did read. I read it a long time ago, though. Um, so. UVB exposure increases females estrus phase, um, HPG axis, hippocampus, hippocampal, no, I don't know what that is, no, I don't know, <laughs> okay, yeah, okay, never mind, <laughs> I feel that, hypothalamic pituitary gonad axis, uh, hormones and follicle growth. And skin P53, I have no idea what that is, regulates UVB-induced sexual behavior and ovarian physiological changes. So these are going to be beneficial for both men and women, probably because both men and women were exposed to high levels of sunlight throughout our evolution. And, you know, for the first time, we have all these dermatologists telling us that, you know, it's going to be terrible for us, and if we ever go out in the sun, you need to be protected <laughs> from the sun. Um, so that one, I, that one was a little bit weaker just because I, had, I hadn't read it in a long time. I did... I read it a while ago, but um, it's pretty well known that uh, UV exposure is very beneficial for androgens, and that's very beneficial for ADHD because of energy levels, and um, androgens are very dopaminergic. Um, the third one we're going to look at, third study we're going to look at, kind of supports my point about 
um, oxidation and cell membrane oxidation. So this one is called lipid ingredients and moisturizers can modulate skin responses to UV and barrier disrupted human skin in vivo. So this is not, in, if you don't know what in vivo means, in vitro is when they, um, you know, like a petri dish, they like, you know, they'll give androgens to like prostate cancer or cells or whatever. Um, and in, in this instance, it's in living people. So, um, Okay, so they evaluated the effects of three major ingredients in moisturizers, cholesterol, linoleic acid, and a synthetic ceramide. We don't really care about that one. We're going to focus on the first two. Um, on skin responses to UV and the tape-stripped skin of healthy volunteers. So, oh, God. <laughs> that sounds kind of painful. They put tape on and they took off their skin. Um, after two days of lipid application, the areas were irritated with UV and skin samples. Wait, hold on. Is that what they did? Okay, I'm not familiar with the tape strips. <laughs> Maybe that's not what they were doing. <laughs> um, but after two days of application, the areas were irritated with UV, and skin samples were obtained 24 hours after irritation. So the results were that um, topical cholesterol compared to the control significantly decreased the degree of dermal inflammatory infiltrates and um, exocytosis and also decreased the expression of MMP1, IL-6, and IL-1-beta mRNA. Those are just some inflammatory uh, markers. In contrast, topical linoleic acid increased the production of apoptotic cells, apoptotic cells, or yeah, apoptotic cells, and the expression of MMP1 and IL-6 mRNA. So, and then there's some stuff about the, that ceramide, which we don't really care about, but it had the same effect of linoleic acid. So, um, and the conclusion is that topical cholesterol can protect the skin barrier and against uh, UV-induced damage. Well, linoleic acid increases, which makes sense because when you have a more unsaturated cell membrane, I'm actually not sure how the cholesterol affects it because cholesterol... Uh, I actually... I think it would have been better if they had applied some, like, you know, towel or something or, like, or like some saturated vents of the cholesterol. I'm not sure, but um, it, the main thing that we care about here is linoleic acid, which just shows that uh, linoleic acid oxidizes very easily, um, which is very curious considering the fact that, I mean, if you look at olive oil bottles, right? They're all in dark, you know, super, like, dark bottles. You look at any seed oil bottle, and it's, like, crystal. It's, like, transparent. Why do we take the most fragile oils possible? We put it in a freaking transparent bottle. Even though that the reason we put olive oil, because olive oil will oxidize at those temperatures. Imagine what happens to the the vegetable oils, which are incredibly unresistant to oxidation. And before Harvard comes at me talking about smoke points, polyunsaturated fats oxidize below their smoke points just because uh, the double bonds are so susceptible to oxidation. So, um. That's the third one, which kind of just supports my point about um, vegetable oils and uh, PUFA causing uh, sunburn and sun damage. And the last one is about epidemiology, because I'm sure there's someone who's going to reply to this episode, talking about some epidemiology, talking about some uh, observational, talking about some, oh, people who go in the sun get skin cancer more. Yeah, obviously, because if you take 
a bunch of people who have weak cell membranes and you compare you know ones who don't go outside to ones who um, do go outside a lot and they there's one that's got a lot more sun damage just because they both have weak cell membranes but we have some other garbage science here other I'm not gonna call it, that's disrespectful but it's epidemiology it's observational I've talked many times about why observational is not very conclusive and it's especially not conclusive when we when, it, when it, there's different conflicting studies um, so I think we should look at mechanisms of action here. I think we should look at, you know, more logic and more reasoning and less of this just like observational. Let's just look at who does which behaviors and who does, right? Um, this one is literally, it's called avoiding sun is as dangerous as smoking. And I would actually recommend that you, this article is kind of funny. I recommend that you actually, because you have to uh, sign up to read it. I recommend that you, you sign up and you read the entire article. But um, I'm just going to do it quickly. Um, it says non-smokers who stayed out of the sun had a life expectancy similar to smokers who soaked up most of the rays, according to researchers who studied nearly thirty thousand women over twenty years. Uh, thirty thousand Swedish women. Um, this is probably because in Sweden there's uh, less PUFA, so they're less likely to oxidize and is less likely to cause negative health outcomes, which is just what I recommend, anyways. So. And this is not good science. This is not conclusive at all. I'm not saying anything that we can drive any conclusions from it. I'm just saying, you know, whoever comes at me, like, showing that, you know, people who go in the sun, you know, freaking spontaneously combust or whatever, um, there's epidemiology, which does not support that, which means that we should not look at the epidemiology for conclusions. We should look at mechanisms of action. Overall, sunlight, sun exposure, and vitamin D, but sun exposure by itself, even, like, just, like, looking at the sun, um, it's highly androgenic, and it's also highly dopaminergic. Um, and this is very beneficial for ADHD because, and also vitamin D inhibits tryptophan, or tryptophan hydroxylase. Tryptophan hydroxylase is the enzyme uh, responsible for converting, converting the amino acid tryptophan into um, serotonin. Anything that inhibits tryptophan oxalase is going to be a dub for ADHD because that's going to lead to lower serotonin, which is going to lead to higher levels of dopamine. No serotonin is not a happy hormone. Go listen to my so many episodes on that. But, um, yeah, so it inhibits serotonin synthesis. It, it, it is very dopaminergic. It's very androgenic. It's not even really a vitamin. It's more of a hormone. It acts in ways that are different from other vitamins. It's so awesome. I love sun exposure, guys. I love it so much. Especially make sure you're looking at the sun early in the morning and especially, and you can also do it um, sunset. That's also really cool. Um Avoid UV filters, guys. God, if if you're gonna have to, you know, use um, sunscreen, I'd recommend that you try and get a zinc formula, and then just don't stay out too long if you're gonna burn. If you feel yourself starting to get, it's worth just like kind of staying or like maybe wear a hat or something. Anything is better than those freaking benzophenones. They're so toxic, so bad for you, so estrogenic, guys, so estrogenic. Do not be putting, and do not be spraying sunscreen, okay? I don't want to smell your cancer sunscreen with fragrances and parabens and phthalates and petrochemicals and benzene and your alcohols and your freaking vegetable oils in the air <laughs> that are oxidized. This is more formaldehyde. God, dude, please do not use um, freaking sprayed sunscreen. Um, if you want to be infertile, keep that to yourself. No, I'm just kidding. But seriously, guys, sunscreen is... Bad, bad news. Even the EWG says it, and um, I actually haven't talked about the EWG a lot, but I think the EWG underrates a lot of toxins. Like, for example, if you look up um, sodium lauryl sulfate, 
environmental working group. Um, they have like a one to ten, and it's one to two, and I would very greatly disagree with that. Um, if you scroll down, do they even have? Oh man, they don't even have contamination concerns. In most of these, what I'd recommend is not that you look at the number, but that you scroll down and you look at contamination concerns. Um, because this one, well, they don't have for this one. This one is contaminated with uh, dioxins and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons because it's synthesized from petroleum. Um, not a fan. You can see sodium laurel or sodium laurel sulfate. Hold on. It might not. Sodium laureth sulfate definitely is. PWG. Uh, okay, this one's one to three. That's better. Contamination concerns. Ethylene oxide, one for dioxin. There we go. Um, sodium laurel sulfate raw material. Let's see, what is it? Okay, sodium laurel sulfate is produced by treating laurel alcohol, okay, which is <laughs> derived from either coconut or other vegetable oils with uh, chloral sulfuric acid. I really doubt that they derive <laughs> laurel alcohol from coconut and vegetable oils. Um, maybe they derive the laurel part, but I don't think they derive the alcohol. I've spoken on this many times. Alcohol is an endocrine disruptor because um, commercial alcohol is not made by fermenting yeast or fermenting grapes. It's made, you know, it's, you know, it's ethanol. It's made from ethylene. And ethylene is very estrogenic. It's not just ethylene, though. It's the contaminants in the ethylene, dioxins, and polycyclic aromatic hydrocarbons because it's petrochemical. Uh, the, th the general theme here, guys, with um, endocrine disruptors, most endocrine disruptors are petrochemicals. And all petrochemicals are endocrine disruptors because they're all contaminated. You know, maybe some study will show that they're not. Unfortunately, when it's in your shampoo, it's not lab-grade petrochemicals. It has contaminants. It does have contaminants because they produce in a cheap way. It does have 1,4-Dioxane. It does have PAH. Not good news. 8-HD, you want to be avoiding these things, and you want to be getting in the sun. Not too much sun, though, if you have weak cell membranes, and the way that you're going to fix that is you're going to have um, hormesis. You're going to engage in hormetic activities. And you're going to switch your diet to get rid of these um, weak oils, which are making your skin uh, weak skin, right? You don't want that. Um, I hope you got some value. I'm, I really like Disney. I'm definitely going to – and the next one's going to be even way better because I'm going to know exactly what I'm going to say, but I'm not going to really script. Um, but, yeah, I actually – I really enjoy doing this. I really enjoy providing you guys a lot more value than I have been in the past. I feel kind of bad for that. But, yeah, um, going forward, there's going to be a lot better, a lot much higher quality episodes. Yeah, I hope you got a lot of value from this episode. Uh, if you have any questions ever, email me, admission at gmail.com. And other than that, have a good day. I'll see you in the next episode. Get in the sun. Do not wear sunscreen. <laughs> Unless you have to.